Hello and welcome once more to an edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with kind permission of the Worcester News. I should also add that despite the fact we've entered another lockdown, this recording has been enabled by the technical wizardry of our engineer John Plush. I'm Pippa Curtis, editor of this week's edition, and I'm doing this recording onto my phone from my house. Catherine joins me today, however she's not with me, but she's in her house recording separately. Hello. And John has somehow put everything together. I do hope you enjoy what we have to offer. As always, we will begin with the list of useful telephone numbers, then move on to the headline stories, followed up with some general news stories and finishing with some sport. Unfortunately, as I'm not in the recording studio, I cannot access the Thought for the Day or the birthday file. So, sincere apologies if it is your birthday this week. We wish you many happy returns and hope you have a good day. Please do keep sending us your feedback, good or bad, as the team here wants to make the recording as pleasurable and relevant for you as possible. If you have any comments or problems, our telephone number is 01905 767 766. Please be prepared for an answer phone to take your call. Alternatively, just pop a note in your wallet. Listeners are kindly reminded to return memory sticks, even in this time when everything's going a bit weird, but it is helpful to have them sent back promptly, please, to facilitate a smooth operation and use of resources. You'll only receive two weeks of recordings. If neither of these are returned, you'll not receive further ones. But if you're unwell or have a problem, please ring us, 767 766 and just leave a message. All our recordings are now available as podcasts via the Worcester Talking News website. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which I will read out. Police non-emergency number 101. Crime Stoppers 0800 Worcester Hub for Council Matters 01905 I won't give you the numbers for the theatres as nothing's going on at the moment. So the Samaritans is a free phone number 116123 and finally again here at Colin Chance House 01905 767 766. So moving on to the first of the headline news stories. Now this comes from Friday October the 30th and we're going to read you headline stories up until Saturday the 8th of November. So I shall begin with the first four and then Catherine will take over and read the second four of headline news. So headline four, Friday October the 30th, drunks threat to assault cleaner. And the story is as follows. 
A drunk man threatened to headbutt a cleaner at Worcester's Cathedral Plaza after going on an all-night bender. Nathan Evans admitted using threatening, abusive and insulting words to cause harassment, alarm or distress when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday. The court heard Evans had drunk eight cans of strong lager and nearly a bottle of whisky before abusing the men in the city centre at 7.20am on September the 25th. Emily Kluwer, prosecuting, said the 31-year-old approached David Hand, a cleaner, and stood in front of him while he was cleaning the floor near to Fitness for Less and the travel lodge. Miss Kluwer says Evans swore as he asked Mr Hand where a, hand, where a man had gone, thinking he had gone into the travel lodge to which the victim replied he didn't know. The, the court heard the defendant then said, don't tell me that, before using a homophobic slur to insult Mr Hand. Miss Kluwer said, he then said, he was going to headbutt him and knock him out. Thinking he was going to be attacked, Mr Hand called for security. Miss Kluwer said, when Martin Haste, Cathedral Plaza's security guard, arrived, he told Evans to go, but instead he got right in his face. He then spat in the direction of Mr Haste, though it landed on the floor, she said. Miss Kluwer said in their victim statements that Mr Haste said he had felt distressed by the incident, adding he had got the right to work, while Mr Hand said he too had just been doing his job, but had been made to feel anxious and that he could be attacked. Mr Hand had said that although not gay himself, he knew the word used was a homophobic slur. Miss Kluwer said it had been a sustained incident lasting ten minutes and asked for an uplift in the sentence due to the homophobic slur. Magistrates heard that Evans' previous convictions were for battery and possession of a bladed article in a public place. Paul Stanley, defending, said the dad of one had been drinking throughout the night and while walking home, he mistakenly thought he heard someone being abusive to him, which led him to go into the conversation with the cleaner. He is not homophobic. He made the comment when he was heavily intoxicated, Mr Stanley said. He can't remember what happened. It was a short incident. He had been drinking and had taken painkillers. He doesn't want to go to custody. Mr Stanley said Evans was homeless at the age of 16, and after recently losing his job as a bar manager and accommodation as a result, he had fallen into the grip of drinking alcohol. Mr Stanley said his client was currently living with his ex-partner at an address in Victoria Place, Worcester. A probation report found that Evans had been having flashbacks to his time on the streets and he was extremely remorseful and sorry for wasting the court's time. This one day, everything got on top of him, so he drank, the report added. Elaine Bell, chairman of the magistrates' bench, said, whilst it's a very serious offence, we are not going to impose a custodial sentence. Evans was given the order that will last 18 months. He was ordered to carry out 175 hours of unpaid community service, uplifted from 125 hours due to the use of homophobic abuse. He was told to complete 12 rehabilitation activity days and pay compensation of £100 to both victims and £95 victim surcharge. 
Headline for Saturday, October the 31st. Community tackles antisocial crime. A task force is tackling antisocial crime around a Worcester community centre. The launch of the Perryfields Community Group at the Horizon Community Centre in Midland Road has united community leaders to provide opportunities for young people and make the area safer for residents. During the coronavirus lockdown, police received reports of antisocial behaviour around the centre. However, since the launch of the group, youth crime has significantly decreased in the area. Following an approach by Worcestershire Community Foundation to City Councillor Jabarayas to fund the project, a multi-agency task force was set up involving local young people, police, Worcester City Council and Worcester Community Trust, which owns the Horizon Centre, leading to a co coordinated push to resolve issues around youth crime in the Stanley Road area of Worcester. Councillor Riaz said, This is the start of something big at Perryfields and for our community that has traditionally never been able to access these types of opportunities. These kids just want to be heard and prove themselves to their families, to themselves and to the community. The police have stated since all the agencies have engaged there's been a dramatic decrease in crime and reports. Now they will become a positive inspiration to other youngsters. I hope that this can become a pioneering project, a beacon of hope to all the community and a model that others can learn from. One of the teens who has used the centre, Arian Ali, aged 15, said, It's made a huge impact on us, it keeps us away from the bad and it's really positive for us as youths. Cam Hussein, aged 25, said, There are sessions every Thursday which brings all the youth together and that's keeping them out of trouble and keeping them entertained and here. We have been doubling up in figures every week. The first week we started off with five people but now there are around 20 plus. We have put this together for the community as we had nothing here. Everything was taken away from us. We had a lot of issues during lockdown and now we've managed to pull all the big people in and progress. There was a lot of police reports here so we had to come together as a community to set something up. The new group will give youngsters access to facilities at the centre, offering opportunities for them to gain new skills and enjoy a range of activities from table tennis, badminton, cricket and dodgeball. Chief Inspector Gareth Morgan of West Mercia Police said, We were receiving a number of reports of antisocial behaviour around the Horizon Centre and police were called up many, many times. So, with Councillor Riaz, we sat down and discussed some of the issues. We had a community event and had an open and frank discussion on what the issues were. From that, it was clear the community wanted somewhere to do activities. A lot of centres were closed due to Covid and they had nothing else to do but be out on the streets. What we have found is that since the activities have started, we've seen a significant decrease in antisocial behaviour in the area. One of the issues raised was the prevalence of heart attacks in the Asian community and this is one of the centres that didn't have a DFib. I spoke to a friend who is an MD of a medical supply centre who will donate one. I'm in awe of the community spirit they have here and the drive to take this place forward. Worcestershire Community Foundation has provided £10,000 to 
kickstart development of a new football pitch and communal facilities at the centre to encourage wider use. The charity's Young Solutions and Worcester Community Trust are working with the group to coordinate the project, ensure that their voices are heard and help them select which activities are provided. Ruth Haywood, Chief Executive of Worcester Community Trust, added, Six young people have already been signed up to a CS card course provided by the Building Block that will enable participants to work safely on building sites. Other planned programmes include workshops on cybersecurity, drugs and crime, and mental health issues. Roger Britton, trustee of Worcestershire Community Foundation, said, Right from the start, when I met the young people at the basketball court at the centre, I realised that I was talking to intelligent, articulate and ambitious people who knew what would make a difference to their community far better than I ever could. Worcestershire Community Foundation is proud to be led by these young people as we jointly develop an ambitious plan that will make a big difference. Moving on to the headline for Monday, November the 2nd. Jail for driver who killed mum of two. A notoriously bad driver who took the life of a mother of two has been jailed. Ewan Short, 21, was jailed for five years at Worcester Crown Court on Friday, October the 30th, after he had previously admitted, admitted causing death by dangerous driving. The court heard Short had killed Nicola Johnson, 30, by crashing his Audi A3 into her Ford when he lost control of his car, his car while speeding at 85 miles per hour on the 60 mile per hour A422 between Flyford Plavel and Inkbarrow at around 9.20pm on August the 2nd last year. On the night in question, Short and his friend had been out drinking in a couple of pubs in Flyford Flavel and it was said that he was known locally for showing off and revving his high-performance Audi around the village. In court, prosecutor Matthew Barnes read a statement from Miss Johnson's partner, Jamie Mackey, which said his life had been ripped apart by her death. Mr Mackey said he had become the sole parent of their children and was unable to work as a result of having to take care of them, as well as the long-term mental health impact of Miss Johnson's death. Another statement was read in court by Miss Johnson's father, Colin, who described the family's anguish at the loss of their beloved daughter. In finishing his statement, Miss Johnson, who was sobbing, said, I will never understand and cannot accept how someone so young could drive a high-performance car in such a dangerous manner. The harrowing details of the crash were read out in court with the final speedometer reading in Short's car at 89 miles per hour with an expected speed at the time of the crash, being somewhere between 85 and 89, according to a police expert. The court heard how Short was coming round a bend in the road when he lost control of his car, smashing into Miss Johnson's Ford, which was on the correct side of the road and adhering to the speed limit. Short's car ended up in a nearby field with his passenger freeing himself before Short was cut out of the car by firefighters. At interview, Short said he had no recollection of the crash and had only had two pints, though Mr Barnes said photos and videos recovered from his phone 
showed several occasions of him driving erratically and too fast, with one showing short driving at around 120 to 130 miles per hour. Mr Barnes said Short, a notoriously bad driver, had been stopped by police in Worcester two months earlier, being given a caution for his fast and erratic driving. He'd also been seen narrowingly avoiding a crash earlier on in the, earlier on in the day of the offence. Miss Johnson was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash. She had sustained a significant injury to her skull and another to her spine and Mr Barnes added it was likely she died instantly upon impact. Short and his passenger were both severely injured with a number of broken bones and some internal bleeding, seeing Short remain in intensive, intensive care for five days. David Sapietcher, defending, called the crash foolish and immature and said he had showed remorse for his actions and recognised the effect of what he had done. Sentencing Short... Judge Nicholas Cartwright said, No sentence could replace the loss you have caused to Miss Johnson's family. You were deliberately driving at a speed which was above the speed limit. You had consumed a significant amount of alcohol beforehand. The aggravating features are that you injured your passenger and caused the death of Miss Johnson. The mitigation is that you yourself were injured, as was your passenger, and that you are still only 21 and with no previous convictions. Judge Cartwright also banned him for driving, from driving for three years, as well as ordering to take an extensive driving test when he is released. Short appeared unemotional throughout the hearing. Short of Church Lane, Flyford Flavel, had pleaded guilty to causing death by dangerous driving on August the 21st this year. Miss Johnson's parents... Colin and Lynn, and brother Dan, released a statement after the case. They said, Nicola was the axis around which our Johnson family revolved here in Kroll, where she grew up. We miss her and her girls bursting through the door every day, so full of laughter and energy. No one will ever replace her as a loving and caring daughter to us, sister to her brother Dan, and a perfect mummy to her two little girls, Eleanor and Alice. We thought she was invincible and are lost without her and while no justice could ever be seen to be enough we as her family are pleased the police did an excellent job in their investigation in showing that Nick was entirely blameless and had no time to react in a catastrophic crash where, mercifully, she died instantly in the reckless act of a young man driving a high-speed, high-performance vehicle at speed. The headline for Wednesday, November the 4th, which was, of course, the day before lockdown began again, uh, is Ready for Lockdown, with photographs of six city business people, um, all smiling very broadly and very hopefully, I think, optimistically, um, as they are thinking about what they're going to do uh, during lockdown with their business. And the story is as follows. Independent businesses across Worcester are calling on shoppers and diners to keep supporting them as the second lockdown begins. From Thursday, the whole country will go into lockdown again for a month, with non-essential businesses and restaurants having to close unless they can operate on a takeaway or delivery basis. 
However, pubs and restaurants across the city said they would continue to trade by reverting to the takeaway model they used through the spring and summer. Here are a few Worcester businesses offering their own takeaway and delivery services. Cream's Cafe in St Nicholas Street will be closed to eat-in customers but is offering contact-free delivery and takeaway for food. The Alma Tavern is continuing to offer takeaways for collection and delivery. H. Deus Butchers in St John's is offering deliveries of packs of meat throughout the new lockdown. Crumpets and Coffee Lounge in Angel Place is running a takeaway service with Click and Collect available. The Firefly in Lowersmore is running a sale on food and beer today, Wednesday, in preparation for the lockdown. The Paul Pry is running its Sunday Roast Collection service, as it did during the first lockdown, with orders being placed via the pub's Facebook page. Balti Mahal in Astwood Road is also continuing to offer takeaway and delivery services. The Worcester BID is calling on shoppers not to forget independence in the city, with many running a Christmas delivery and collection service. Samantha McCarthy from Worcester BID said, Our independent businesses are showing their steely determination to succeed by implementing innovative ways for us to shop, eat and drink. Our high street needs these businesses. Please shop independently to support them through this. If you are Worcestershire-based, sign up to the Visit Worcester newsletter for updates on local businesses, their offers and how you still shop local and support them. Shops running delivery and takeaway include Toys and Games of Worcester, Avant Garde, Simply Beautiful, Rock Follies and Embrace Boutique. Tim Evans, who owns Toys and Games of Worcester, said, This is a difficult time for small businesses, but it's a difficult time for all of us. We'll try and get through this new lockdown, keeping things as normal as possible. Whilst the shop remains closed, we will be operating mail order, local deliveries and, more importantly, collections from the shop. We'll be available full hours, 9.30 to 5.30 Monday to Saturday and 10.30 to 4.30 Sundays. If you need anything, drop us a message, give us a call or visit our website. We're happy to talk you through what we have and give you bespoke videos or pictures to suit your requirements. Worcester News Love Local Business campaign encourages people to spend their money locally this Christmas. Headline sponsors are Visit Worcester, Worcester City Council and Worcester BID. Other supporting partners include Crowngate Shopping Centre and the University of Worcester. The headline for the following day, Thursday, November the 4th, is Our Wedding Was Cancelled Four Times. And there are two lovely pictures of a couple. Paramedics from Worcester have been forced to cancel their wedding four times due to the coronavirus epidemic. Rob Stewart, who's 30, and Bethany Griffin, 25, got engaged in 2018 and planned to marry this year, but the paramedics could never have imagined what 2020 had in store for them. Bethany said, We initially planned a wedding for March 25th, However, we went into full lockdown, meaning it all got cancelled with a couple of days' notice. We then decided to delay the wedding until March 2021 to give a chance for COVID-19 to be managed. When the government then announced that wedding guests had been cut from 30 guests to 15 
for the next six months, we quickly realised that there would be no way, come March 2021, that we'd be allowed over 100 guests. We decided that getting married and being husband and wife was our priority, so organised an intimate wedding for November the 28th, with the allowed 15 people limit, and delayed our big wedding to 2022. Sadly, due to lockdown take two being declared, our intimate wedding got cancelled. So, undeterred, we organised a last-minute intimate wedding for Wednesday, November the 4th, with the registrar in our small venue, but then got contacted by the council the same day to say we couldn't legally get married on Wednesday due to not having given notice of marriage more than 28 days ago, so we had to cancel our last-minute wedding too. All of our suppliers and wedding venues have thankfully been fabulous and very flexible with all that's going on, as well as our managers at West Midlands Ambulance Service. They've been great in letting us move our shifts around last minute to try and get us married, despite the pressures that are on the trust at the moment. Rob has been a qualified paramedic for three years and has worked with West Midlands Ambulance Service for almost six years. Bethany joined the Ambulance Service in 2017 and got her registration to be a paramedic in Worcester this year. Both have admitted working through the pandemic has been challenging. We both found it very challenging and quite overwhelming, said the couple. There was suddenly a huge risk about going to work and catching the virus ourselves and bringing it home to loved ones. We were faced with a lot of new challenges, such as having to wear personal protective equipment to every patient, and in life-threatening situations, having to don a higher level of PPE, which not only restricts movement, but also communication to others and delays getting to the patient. We did find, however, that members of the public were being very supportive and a lot more sensible about ringing for an ambulance. We received a lot of love from our neighbours and strangers, which definitely helped keep us motivated. We were also both very grateful that we were still employed and on 100% pay compared to a lot of the country who were either being made redundant, furloughed or having their businesses go bust. Despite the adversity they've faced this year, the couple are not letting it get them down. Bethany added, We just try to focus on the positives. We're lucky that we've still got each other and haven't lost any loved ones to the virus. We've both got secure jobs and a stable income, unlike so many others. Rob is also very keen on fitness and exercise and finds this very beneficial to keeping his mental health positive. I have admittedly struggled a lot this year, but have had great support from work, friends and family who have kept me going. We're currently in the process of buying a house which we aim to move into come December and hope to have our first Christmas off together in our new home. We're focusing on this as a positive and, a hope, and hopefully be a great way of ending a rubbish year. I'll just read that last bit again. We're, focus, we're focusing on this as a positive and hopefully it will be a great way of ending a rubbish year. The headline for Friday, November the 6th, is as follows. Man, 60, fined for lockdown park sex. A 60-year-old man has been fined after being caught having sex with a 42-year-old woman in broad daylight near a children's play area during lockdown. Anthony Higgins of Battenhall Road, Worcester, admitted outraging public decency by having sex with his co-defendant, 
Rachel Aston in Fort Royal Park in Worcester when he appeared before magistrates yesterday. Aston of Infirmary Walk, Worcester, did not attend court yesterday morning but was charged with an identical offence following their romp on May the 23rd this year during the first COVID-19 lockdown. Ralph Robbins Landricum, prosecuting, said police had been called by a member of the public who told them she could see a man and a woman having sex in the park. The member of the public took photos of the pair in, in the act as evidence. This was 1pm in the afternoon, said the prosecutor. Police were directed to the part of the park where the incident happened by the same woman who'd called them and both defendants were identified. Mr Robbins Landricum added, the pair were spoken to and arrested for exposure and outraging public decency. In interview, Higgins said he did not see anyone to begin with around where he was having sex with this lady, but knew it was a public place. He'd drunk two pints of alcohol but maintained he was not drunk. He wasn't aware of the children's play area, which was nearby. He said he didn't intend for people to see what he and his fellow co-defendant were doing, said the prosecutor. Higgins had a previous conviction for assault, occasioning, occasioning actual bodily harm from 1998. Ian Parsons, representing Higgins, asked that he be given maximum credit for his guilty plea and for the full admissions he made in interview. He said Higgins knew the other party from a public house and had gone to her because she owed him a small amount of money. Mr Parsons added, he found her in quite an intoxicated condition. She was quite angry by all accounts because her partner, who was in the flat, had cheated on her. Both defendants had gone to the park with no particular intention at that point and had gone out for some sunshine and to have a walk, ending up at the park, the duty solicitor told the court. He accepts it was something they both did and it was entirely consensual. There was no aim to alarm anyone else, said Mr Parsons. His client accepted it was something he should have done in a private place, Mr Parsons added. He told the court that Higgins, who works for a local waste recycling business, lives with his elderly parents, both aged 86. He regularly does the shopping for them. Magistrates fined him £192, ordered him to pay a victim surcharge of £34 and court costs of £185. And the headline for Saturday the 7th of November uh, is as follows. Heartbroken in lockdown. A heartbroken counsellor whose wife recently died of cancer has spoken of facing the second lockdown without her. Former Worcestershire County Council Chairman Peter Tomlinson has paid tribute to late wife Ali after 24 years together. Councillor Tomlinson, 77, thanked those who've been supporting him since Ali lost her battle with cancer on October the 19th, and he revealed that nearly £10,000 has been raised for Cancer Research UK in her memory so far. Councillor Tomlinson, who lives in and is councillor for Ombersley, said, It has been the happiest 24 years of my life with her. It has been an incredibly wonderful time for me. I feel the loss very, very deeply. We have basically been in lockdown for a year after her pancreatic cancer came back last September. She lived with the knowledge her life was going to end. Ali was shielding but came out with me when it was safe to do so. 
The last official engagement she did with me was March the 6th. We went into lockdown soon after, and now, three days after her funeral, we're in lockdown again. I'm on my own in more ways than one, just as I need my friends. Councillor Tomlinson said he would be living on his own during lockdown, but had formed a bubble with his daughter and her family. He said Ali would be remembered by many as Dr Summers, her former name, or Dr Ali, as she specialised in community paediatrics, which she said was important work not often recognised. She worked in schools providing vital health care and dealing with children with learning difficulties, physical, mental health and hearing problems, Mr Tomlinson said. She was based in Wire Forest. She worked in a clinic in Kidderminster. That was her life until she retired in 2008. There will be a number of people who will remember she treated them or their children. Councillor Tomlinson said in retirement she was able to enjoy her other passions in life, particularly music. She was a highly capable musician, Councillor Tomlinson said. She was gifted. In her school days, was where it started, there was only one musical instrument needed on her school, school's orchestra, the double bass. She took to it almost immediately. She played for a number of orchestras throughout her life. Double bass players aren't easy to come by. She was often asked to play, as she was more than just an amateur player. Councillor Tomlinson said his family and friends had been absolutely brilliant in supporting him and explained that Chris Tarrant, who he's known since creating popular TV show Tis Was, had been in touch. Chris has been wonderful over these last couple of weeks. He's been helping me get through it, which is lovely of him, he said. Councillor Tomlinson said many people had wanted to remember Ali by giving money to the wonderful charity Cancer Research UK through her fundraising page. He said the total raised so far was just short of £10,000, so he was hoping that that milestone could be reached. Anyone who wants to make a donation can visit https colon two forward slashes fundraise.cancerresearchuk.org forward slash page forward slash ali hyphen tomlinson hyphen in hyphen memoriam. Thank you, Catherine. I'll now continue with more general news stories, followed by some sport. Coronavirus heroes in Worcester are ready once again to provide help for the city's vulnerable residents during lockdown. Members of the Facebook group Plate One Up and Pass It On will be stepping up activities during the month-long lockdown. From delivering meals to the vulnerable to collecting prescriptions for the housebound, there are 50 volunteers now waiting for the call. Founder Toby Stringer said, We never really stopped, but we are expecting it to get busy again now. A lot more volunteers are jumping on board and there are 3,500 people on our Facebook group. It's a real group effort. While much community appreciation has come the group's way, Mr Stringer said that was not part of his motivation. I like to keep busy, I guess, and when there is a crisis you have to step up and help out. The group was formed at the start of the first lockdown to support vulnerable people and hundreds were helped. Mr Stringer and his partner Lindsay Cox were named Coronavirus Heroes by Worcester residents for the help they have provided. Lindsay pairs volunteers to vulnerable people, communicating with different agencies, coordinating the collections, deliveries and more. The Coronavirus Heroes recognition for the couple came after A-Plan Insurance launched an initiative 
to help celebrate the unsung heroes in the community. Looking back to the last lockdown, Mr Stringer from Norton said, We helped hundreds and a lot of long-term friendships were formed because of it. Group members distribute hundreds of food packages across Worcestershire, including to NHS sites, care homes, children's homes, schools and doctor's surgeries. The group also provided masks for West Mercia Police and when a nurse working at Worcestershire Royal Hospital had her car seriously damaged after heartless thieves removed the catalytic converters, the group brought her a new vehicle. Looking ahead, Mr Stringer has been searching for premises for the community group. But now, Plate One Up and Pass It On is entering its latest challenge, the new lockdown, and whatever that may bring. The group can be contacted through its Facebook page and on 01905 352 200. More stories concerning the coronavirus. First of all, Worcester tips us to stay open during the lockdown. Recycling centres in Worcester will remain open during November lockdown, Worcestershire County Council have confirmed. Bilford Road and Hallow Road recycling centres will be open, but with social distancing measures in place. The move is a change from the March lockdown when recycling centres in the county were shut, leading to an increase in fly tipping and frustration among residents. When the tip on Bilford Road did reopen on May the 11th, the queues stretched around the Purdiswell Leisure Centre car park and traffic calming, traffic calming measures were put in place. This time, at the sites, visitors must follow certain rules. Only a limited number of residents will be allowed on site at any one time and a supermarket-style system will be in operation with a one-out, one-in access policy. No assistance will be provided on site, so only load items you can unload yourself. There will be no soil improver or compost sales and limited reused charity drop-off points. Alternate parking spaces and bays have been blocked off and access to each skip will be by one resident at a time. Visitors must keep to the two-metre distancing rule at all time and ideally come alone and wear gloves and suitable footwear. Visitors must stay in their vehicles while queuing to aid with social distancing and wait to be directed to a parking bay by staff. They are also reminded not to visit the site if they, are, if they or a household member are unwell. On a similar note, there's a brief article about libraries during this next lockdown. Libraries in the city will stay open, but only for limited services, say the County Council. Plans are in place for some services to be available at libraries during the four-week lockdown period but customers are also being encouraged to take advantage of online services available on the Digital Library Hub 24-7. You can still reserve, return and collect books and pre-book computer sessions for essential purposes. Subject to volunteer availability, home book deliveries will be available for customers who are unable to visit. Some good news now. The Three Choirs Festival has received a lifeline grant from government's £1.57 billion Culture Recovery Fund, which should bring back the festival to Worcester next summer. This year's 2020 festival was postponed due to the pandemic, but organisers are hoping that, despite enduring Covid uncertainty, 
the Three Choirs Festival will take place in the city from July the 24th to July the 31st, 2021. The festival is the world's oldest classical music festival and celebrated its 300-year anniversary in 2015. For eight days each summer, performers bring music to the alternating host cities of Gloucester, Hereford and Worcester. Next year is Worcester's turn. Alexis Patterson, Three Choirs Festival Chief Executive, said, We are incredibly grateful to receive this funding. It's the springboard from which we can start to recover. The sum is yet to be specified. 11-day, 111-mile walk to raise £1,111. A flight lieutenant is attempting to walk 111 miles before Armistice Day, November the 11th, to raise £1,111 for this year's poppy appeal. Flight Lieutenant Carl Nicholson, who lives in Ombersley Road, said, Myself and my friend Sergeant Luke Ford are members of the Air Cadets and both at Worcester Squadron. Over the summer, we did something similar for the RAF Benevolent Fund. We thought we would up the stakes, doing something harder this time for the British Legion. We're doing 111 miles in 11 days and the idea is to finish at 11am on Armistice Day itself. Mr Nicholson said they were already a few days in and he was shattered but determined. We've been doing the walk along routes in and around Worcester, Mr Nicholson said. Early mornings and late at night, fitting it in around work. We're trying to do 10 to 15 miles each day. The reason I did the one earlier this year was to get away from the computer as I was getting a bit stir-crazy and to raise money at the same time. At the moment, there isn't any real poppy appeal collecting going on, so we thought it as an excuse to get out once again and raise money for the British Legion, as they could struggle this year. This time, keeping in the spirit of the walk, we want to raise £1,111. Anyone who wants to give a donation can visit Mr Nicholson's fundraising page my-poppyrun.britishlegion.org.uk slash fundraising slash mypoppyrun2020 dash Carl Nicholson. And the Carl is with a K. Another story uh, to do with Remembrance Sunday is the restoration of a city war memorial. A city war memorial has been renovated and updated to honour the sacrifices made by Worcestershire soldiers in the First World War. The memorial in Gallivault Park has been renovated by the Worcestershire Ambassadors in association with Worcester City Council, Mercian Regiment and Worcestershire World War 100 to spruce up the site and add new side panels. These side panels list the men who fell on October the 31st, 1914, when the Germans broke through Allied lines near Gallivault, Belgium, before a critical counter-attack by the Worcestershire Regiment restored the line. This was a crucial moment in the First Battle of Ypres, which saw more than 200,000 casualties on both sides. The memorial also contains the battle honours of the Worcestershire Regiment, making it the only memorial of the whole First World War campaign fought by many battalions of the regiment. As well as directly funding the new memorial, which was based on a design by local architect Richard Greenway, the ambassadors had planned fundraising throughout this year for the Royal British Legion and cycling to Ypres last week 
and an education programme in local schools. Unfortunately, of course, all these activities have been cancelled. The Mercian Regimental Museum in Worcester has been heavily involved in the planning and research. Nevertheless, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission was able to bring the memorial near to completion in time for Gallivault Day last week, and the Ypres branch of the RBL kindly laid a wreath to commemorate, commemorate the battle 106 years ago. It is hoped the Deputy Mayor of Zonnebeke will also be able to lay a wreath on Armistice Day. Councillor Adrian Gregson, who was involved in the campaign to revamp the memorial, said, We remember the sacrifices made by the regiment and, of course, their families in both world wars and since. The direct connection with Gallivault in 1914 gives us a rare opportunity to do that and to put something back into our modern society that we learn from and use to inform our own lives going forward. The Battle of Gallivault, fought in the early stages of the First World War, saw 187 members of 2nd Battalion, the Worcestershire Regiment, killed out of 370 who began the operation to retake the town. Despite these losses, the town was saved and the line restored. As a result of the capture of Gallivault against overwhelming odds, the gap in the British lines was closed Ypres remained in Allied hands and the Channel ports were saved. The Worcestershire's regiment's account of the battle said German forces made no further effort that day to retake Gallivault. The reason for the enemy's inaction is not clear, but it is possible the boldness of the counter-attack may have given the impression the Worcestershire's were the first wave of a stronger force. Apologies for any background noise uh, when I was recording that last article, I'm afraid my dog came in and found me and then trod on all the papers on the floor around me. So I'm sorry if you could hear rustlings. I've now dispatched her and I will continue. A county hospice is celebrating a £100,000 donation from Barclays to boost its online care and support for patients and families in the county during the coronavirus pandemic. St Richard's Hospice in Wildmore Drive, Worcester, was chosen as one of just 100 UK charities to be given the donation as part of a 10 million package from Barclays' COVID-19 Community Relief Programme. Barclays were inundated by hundreds of applications from charities across the UK who are struggling to deliver on-the-ground support to vulnerable communities impacted by the crisis. Nigel Higgins, Barclays' chairman, said... Incredible charities, such as St Richard's Hospice, have been playing a vital role in the UK's response to the pandemic, ensuring urgent help reaches those most in need of support. Hospice Chief Executive June Patel said, We're overwhelmed by this fantastic donation to support our care. This will have a huge impact on the amount of digital care and support we offer at the touch of a button, and how we deliver it to people to help keep them safe and our staff safe during the pandemic. It's crucial for patients to feel they have a sense of control over their lives and decision-making and technology can help promote independence and address isolation and loneliness. Our hospice patients are some of the most vulnerable in our community. Many are elderly and frail, are keeping themselves socially distanced and often live in isolated rural areas. Using technology means we can support people virtually, wherever they are, when they need us. As with all charities, 
this year has been difficult, but thanks to our remarkable supporters and additional NHS and government funding for hospices, as well as this donation from Barclays, we're confident we'll end the year in a strong financial position. Next year, 2021, may well be more challenging if the pandemic continues, as we rely on fundraising events and shops income to fund our care. But we're hopeful that with rigorous financial management, innovative ways of working and continued support from our wonderful community, we can face the future with confidence and continue to care for more than 3,300 patients, their loved ones and the bereaved every year. Well, this is another story uh, for a charity, but this is about Kieran cycling, running and rowing and growing for Movember. A paramedic from Worcester is set to cycle, run, row and grow hair this month to raise awareness about male mental health and suicide prevention. Kieran Henner, a paramedic from Worcester Hub, is joining two of his friends for the Movember Challenge to not only help shine a light on male mental health, but also raise money to support the Movember charity. The trio will not only be growing the obligatory moustache, but they've also set themselves a target of covering 84 kilometres each week of November by running, cycling and rowing, with 84 signifying the number of men who commit suicide each week. The Movember charity is a cause close to Kieran's heart, as at the end of 2017, he found himself suffering with his own mental health. Kieran, aged 31, from Swansea, said, I'd hit rock bottom without really acknowledging something was wrong, but looking back, I'd lost interest in everything that I'd previously enjoyed and was just not myself. My friends and family spotted that I was struggling and stepped in to help. The support I received from the service was great too, and after some consideration, I decided to leave my role in 2018 to take some time out to focus on my mental well-being. In March this year, Kieran returned to WMAS to help with the pandemic. Talking about the challenge, Kieran said, Myself and my two friends, Ed Jones and Neil Navarra, decided to do a little challenge through November to raise money and awareness for male suicide, as on average, 84 males commit suicide every week. We can't sit back and accept this. If we can get other men to look after their mental health and well-being, to be brave enough to ask for help and to get support, then it's a great start. I've suffered my own mental health, but I got through it by accepting that I needed help and I urge other men to do that, to do the same if they're struggling. You really aren't alone. Here's a nice article about Guy Fawkes Night. Hundreds of spectators turned out for an 11th hour fireworks extravaganza in the grounds of Six Ways Stadium in Worcester, just hours before the second national lockdown began. The planned social distanced drive-in display was brought forward from November the 7th to Wednesday evening, the 4th, as the new lockdown rules, which came into force yesterday on the, well, that was the 5th of November, would have prevented the display going ahead on the original date. A spokesman for Six Ways said, we're sending everyone off into lockdown with a bang. Roads near to the stadium were at near standstill 
with cars hooting their horns in appreciation as the community came together on the eve of lockdown measures tightening. Families stayed within their bubble, either inside their cars or to the right-hand side, if standing outside, to adhere to social distancing measures put in place by event organisers. The air was filled not just with gunpowder, but the cheers of delighted youngsters. We previously reported how the annual fireworks extravaganza event at the home of the Worcester Warriors had been cancelled for the first time in 15 years. The drive-in was scheduled instead because of the popular demand. And the article is accompanied by some wonderful photographs of the different fireworks being they're lighting up the sky. They're, they're spectacular. And this article is about vandalism at the allotment. Gardeners have been left heartbroken following a spate of vandalism attacks at a popular Worcester allotment. Purdiswell allotment site was vandalised on Tuesday night, October the 27th. This came after another sabotage on Friday, October the 23rd and Saturday night. One resident, Laura Maddock, was one of the victims of the attack. Laura said the vandals smashed her shed with a sledgehammer, which has put a hole in the side of her shed and destroyed all the windows. Her gate was also damaged, along with two fence panels. And this next article is about the ongoing works of uh, the bridge, the Spriner Bridge. This image, and it's a picture of uh, half of Sabrina Bridge, this image shows the old Sabrina Bridge being removed in the city yesterday. The footbridge is being replaced with a new structure and, according to Worcestershire County Council, the work is being carried out now as it's vital to get the job done before the winter months. The new bridge deck is a composite material which has been specifically chosen as it performs much better in wintry conditions than the current wooden slats. Once complete, the bridge deck will be returned and the bridge reopened. The refurbishment, the first since the bridge opened 28 years ago, is a key part of a major infrastructure programme that could also see a new pedestrian, sorry, a new pedestrian and cycle bridge, known as Keypax Bridge, across the River Severn in Worcester. Both bridges aim to enhance links along the riverside so users could complete a figure of eight circuit using the proposed Keypax walking and cycling bridge newly refurbished Sabrina Bridge and Diglas Bridge. Sabrina Bridge was first opened in 1992, providing a link between the city centre to businesses, amenities and university buildings on the west side of the river. Sabrina Bridge will be put back in place for access at the end of this year. Ahead of the revamp at the start of the month, Councillor Alan Amos, Worcestershire's County Council's Cabinet Member with responsibility for highways, said... Once complete, the newly refurbished bridge, which will include repainted rails, ramps, stairs and mainmast and brand new decking, will be much improved for all users. And apologies again for background noise on that recording. I think someone's having a firework display. Nothing much I can do about it, I'm afraid. Childcare around the clock. A new round-the-clock nursery, able to look after key workers' children while they're on a shift, has opened in time for the second lockdown. Catherine Nuttall said she believed Broadheath Day Nursery was the first in Worcestershire to offer the all-hours service. 
We open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, the owner said. My children are older now, but when younger, I had to rely heavily on my mum because there was nothing out there. I wanted to be available and open for parents if they needed to send their children out of normal hours. So few parents work nine to five nowadays. When I was working at Worcestershire County Council, my shifts ran from 7am in the morning until 10pm at night. A lot of emergency service workers are in couples together, both professionals. All these nurses, doctors and police officers that are having to do extra hours to cover the pandemic, it's a load off their mind to know that they can get childcare that would cover their shift hours. I have friends who work in the emergency services. They said there's nothing like what we offer. I want it to be available for everyone. No one pays for the privilege of out of hours. The night rate is exactly the same as the day. I'm really looking forward to working with parents to accommodate their childcare needs while they, in turn, provide those essential services to the people of Worcester. The new nursery is based in Markley Road, Lower Broadheath, and features four separate rooms, including a space for children to sleep at night. After getting its Ofsted registration this week, the nursery is now able to accept babies all the way up to preschool age, with a total of 60 children possible to be looked after by its team at any one time. For more on the nursery, or to arrange a visit, see Broadheath Day Nursery on Facebook or email info at broadheathdaynursery, that's all one word, dot co dot uk. Now, I think we will move on to some sport-related stories and then a couple of bits about sport in the city. Obviously, in these current times, there's precious little to read to you. Um, but I'm going to begin with a rather nice story about golf. So, age is no handicap for Vic. Marking your card at 96 after completing a round would be nothing special for many golfers. But in Vic Harrison's case, it's quite exceptional. Because that's not his score, that's his age. Vic still plays at least once a week at Boughton Park, home of Worcester Golf and Country Club. And to honour his remarkable golfing longevity, the club has made him a life member. Club captain John Kendrick said, Vic's a lovely bloke and a real pleasure to have around the club. He's also a great ambassador for the game of golf, showing how you can stay fit, healthy and active well into your later years. In fact, Vic didn't take up golf until he was 40, after finding his regular sports of football and cricket were becoming a bit more taxing. As a wicketkeeper batsman, he'd been a member of the all-conquering Alley and McClellan Works team, which took the Worcester Cricket League by storm in the 1950s to 60s, winning the title five seasons in a row. He was born in 1926 in what must have been Worcester's most unusual, not to say historic, council house. Apparently his father knew someone on the council who decided to rent out Queen Elizabeth House in Trinity Street to the Harrison family. This is the medieval half-timbered property with a balcony from which Queen Elizabeth I is reputed to have addressed the citizens of the city during her visit in 1575. Leaving St Martin's School at 14, he worked at Bristol Street Motors and then Heenan and Froude before joining the Royal Horse Artillery for the Second World War, serving in Italy and Palestine. On DMOB, he returned to Worcester 
and rejoined Heenan's for two spells, split by ten years at Ali and McClellan, being a, mem a member of both companies' sports teams. Using Vic's terminology, he was an outside right in the soccer teams and kept wicket and batted for the cricket 11s. The golf bug struck Vic in the late 1960s when he was chatting with two of his mates who were off to play. I'd never thought of playing golf, he said, but my legs were starting to get a bit old for playing decent football. So I borrowed a half set of clubs, went along and found I quite liked it. I played for quite a while at Tolodyne Golf Club before applying to join Boughton Park and now I'm in my 37th season here. What do I enjoy about it? Well, being out in the open air and the social side and there are a great lot of people here. His most memorable day so far was in it was on Good Friday in 1991 when heavy rain left pools of water and the club had to move the tee for the 18th hole. Setting off from a new location near the practice area, Vic launched a 150-yard drive that hit the pin and went straight in the hole. That's been my only hole in one, he laughed. When I heard it had gone straight in, I looked at the sky and said, Thank you, God. Vic lives in St John's about half a mile from the course and used to play regularly four times a week. I was playing three times until this virus struck, he added. Now, because people are on furlough and have more time, there are more of us out and there are more restrictions too, so I can usually only play about once a week. But he's looking to the future, because only two years ago he invested in a new £700 set of clubs. And as his playing partner Ray Baldwin, who comes from Pershaw, is 95, giving the pair a total age of 191 and counting. That must be some sort of record. And this is a cricket story. A pair of cricket fans walked between two famous cricket grounds in memory of a beloved former player. Luke Simons and Scott Morgan completed the 29-mile walk earlier this month as part of their Marathon in a Month challenge in aid of St Richard's Hospice. They walked from Edgebaston Stadium to New Road in memory of Luke's father-in-law and ex-Worcestershire wicketkeeper David Humphreys. Joined by friends David Perry and Tom Hedges, the quartet were greeted at New Road by Vice Chairman and David's teammate Paul Pridgen. However, their challenge doesn't end there. They aim to finish their 26 miles of swimming and 26 games of squash to complete their marathon-in-a-month challenge before the end of October. Mr Simons said, Obviously, with David being cared for by the hospice, we wanted to do something, and the walk between two great cricket grounds seemed like a great tribute. The challenge itself has tested these two 40-something-year-olds. There was no recovery time to get over the aches and pains. Their Just Giving page has raised more than 2000 with an additional £517.75 in gift aid to be claimed on top. See justgiving.com slash fundraising slash scott dash luke. Mr Humphreys, who died in July aged 66, played more than 300 times in his career, representing Worcestershire, Shropshire and Leicestershire. Alvely born, Mr Humphreys played 170 first class and 157 list A matches and was a hard-hitting left-handed batsman in addition to being an excellent performer behind the stumps. Mr Humphreys scored his maiden first class century against Warwickshire the following season and his career best performance with the bat came in 1984 with 103 not out against Derbyshire 
at Blackfinch New Road. His highest aggregate of dismissals in a campaign was 57 in 1979, including eight in a match at Derby. Uh, this is a story about Worcester Warriors. Worcester Warriors have completed a double swoop to provide invaluable cover for the new Premiership season. Lock George Merrick pictured and loosehead prop Mark Thomas come in to provide cover for Graham Kitchener, who has a stress fracture of the foot, and Lewis Holsey, who continues to struggle with a dislocated shoulder. Merrick has Premiership, premiership experience with Harlequins and arrives at Six Ways after a season with Clermont-Auvergne in France's top 14. Thomas joins from Harlequins. Both George and Mark will provide invaluable cover for us in what will be in an arduous season, said Director of Rugby Alan Solomons. George is a really big man with heaps of Premiership experience and we're most fortunate to have secured his services. Mark is an inexperienced player and a good scrummager who comes to us after a spell with Harlequins. Both lads have fitted in well here at Six Ways and I have no doubt that they will make their mark. I look forward to working with them. Merrick, 28, was a Six Nations Under-20s Championship winner with England in 2012 and made more than 100 appearances for Quinns in a six-year career at the Stoop. The six-foot-eight second row made 10 appearances in the top 14 last season and also played for Claremont in a 52-26 home Heineken Champions Cup victory over Bath last December. Thomas began his rugby career with his local club, Wilth Wells, then moved to Bridgend Ravens, where he was spotted by Ospreys, who recruited him to the Swansea-based region. He had a season of championship rugby with Jersey Reds, another with Cardiff Blues, and then returned to the championship with Yorkshire Carnegie in 2017, before joining Doncaster Knights for the start of last season. The early end to their championship campaign season, caused by COVID-19, gave Thomas the chance to play in the Gallagher Premiership for the first time, when he joined Harlequins on a short-term contract. He made five appearances for them, with his debut coming as a replacement in their defeat by Warriors at Six Ways in August. And finally, we're going to end up with two stories about Worcester Raiders. <clears throat> the first one is about how the way Raiders boss reflects on how difficult times have made way for success both on and off the pitch. Co-manager Carl Gormley has expressed his delight at matters on and off the field as high-flying Worcester Raiders begin their enforced month-long break. Despite the lockdown, there is a real sense of new beginnings at Raiders, as new owners and a new home at Six Ways has enabled the squad to focus on the football whilst pressures off the field have been lifted. Gormley couldn't speak highly enough of the welcome his side have had. We've been waiting a long time for this, he added. It's been a difficult few seasons for us, not having a home for a number of years, then playing at Claims as it was being worked on, and not really having a home of our own. So to now have six ways, it's brilliant. We have a stable home, facilities are brilliant, the owners have been taking a big role and taking a lot of things off our hands so that we can focus on the football. Everyone can see the difference it's made. Before the second national lockdown of the year put a halt to all football for the next month, Raiders were sitting second in the West Midlands Regional League Premier Division with a game in hand over leaders at Shifnal Town. 
Worcester have won six of their seven league matches, scoring a league-high 25 goals in that period, an average of over three goals a game. Co-manager Carl Gormley admits there are more pressing matters than football at this current time, but has been left feeling frustrated at the incoming layoff. It was such a good start to the season. We want to be playing twice a week, he said. But obviously, with the current situation, there are things bigger than football and we just have to follow the guidelines and that's all we can do. The lads are disappointed, but we've given them a fitness programme, which will hopefully get a few of those injured players back to full fitness and start again with a fully fit squad again in a month's time. Well, we wish them all the best for that. And finally, this is Worcester Raiders' annual donation to the Worcestershire Homeless Appeal has been made, with players and managers clubbing together to provide food and clothing for those living rough on the streets of Worcester. Raiders work alongside the Droitwich-based charity, where the gathered bags of food and clothing are sent so they can be evenly distributed around the city to the people who need it most. Raiders co-manager Carl Gormley was the catalyst for this idea a few years ago and explained how it all came about. Raiders do a fair bit of charity work, he said. We started working with the homeless two years ago and this will be the third year in a row we have done it. Everyone donates some cash and one of the players will go and do a big shop but everything comes from us, the players, coaches, committee. We all contribute to buy all the food and the non-food items as well as sleeping bags, trainers, clothes. We got a bit worried about it with lockdown and everything, but it's done really well. Everyone's dug deep. Gormley mentioned how important it was to help out the local area in particular, and through teaming up with the Worcestershire Homeless Appeal, they can do just that. We like to do the charity work, but if we can keep it local and help out the local community, that's a lot better, he said. They keep us updated and send us information of where everything is going, which is really good. They're all volunteers there as well, so it's really good to help them out. They do such a good job and it's important to us to help them. The charity wish to express their gratitude to Worcester Raiders. We're overwhelmed by the support that's been given by Worcester Raiders, they said. It will allow us to continue our support to the most vulnerable in our community. Donations allow us to free up funds to be used in other areas like our kitchens and we hope they continue to support the work we do. Well, that's it for this uh, edition for, of the Worcester Talking News. I thought, though, we would finish as we approach the festive season on a light note with a story that I spotted in one of the national newspapers. I thought our listeners might enjoy this little short news item. And it goes as follows. Kieran White married his childhood sweetheart, Tilly Christmas, in Bath to officially become Mr and Mrs White Christmas. The couple, both aged 20 and from Bridport, Dorset, met when they were 12. The bride said, I wanted to keep my name going. It just so happens the man I'm marrying has the perfect surname. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed for a White Christmas, for the White Christmases, first Christmas as a married couple. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Well, that's it for this remotely recorded edition of the Worcester Talking News. I'd like to thank Catherine for joining me remotely as a reader and John for doing all the technical production stuff. Thanks too to Carol Hartle, who does such a great administration and copying job. As usual, the obituaries will follow the closing music. 
and we hope to be with you again before Christmas. But until then, it's goodbye from Catherine. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Mike, known as Baz, Baznet, passed away peacefully on November the 2nd, 2020, aged 88. Funeral service to take place at Hereford Crematorium on Monday, November the 16th at 3pm. Donations, if desired, for St Michael's Hospice. Inquiries to Cooperative Funeral Care, 49 Elgingate, Hereford, HR 4 OAB, 01432-376-865. Eric Henry Bourne passed peacefully away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital after a short illness on October the 29th, 2020, aged 93. A private service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, November the 12th at 10am. Any inquiries may be made through the Co-op Funeral Care Telephone 01905 22137. Anne Cousins passed away peacefully in hospital on October the 25th, 2020, aged 65 years. A private cremation will take place. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for children in need may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Geoffrey John Phillips, formerly Watmore, died peacefully at home on the 21st of October 2020. Funeral on Friday, November the 13th, 2020, at 3.15pm at Worcester Crematorium. Donations to Help for Heroes via AV Band. Anthony Robert Hallwell died on 22nd, 22nd of October 2020 at the age of 80 years. Donations to the air ambulance would be hugely approved of. Inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care Worcester 01905 22137. Brian Ryland died <clears throat> on October the 26th, 2020. Sorry, I'll re repeat that one. Brian Ryland passed away peacefully in his sleep on Monday, 26th of October, 2020, aged 81 years. Due to current restrictions, a private service will be held at Vale Crematorium, Fladbury. Vale Cre I'll reread. I'll read Brian Ryland right from the beginning again. Brian Ryland passed away peacefully in his sleep on Monday, the 26th of October, 2020, aged 81 years. Due to current restrictions, a private service will be held at Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Tuesday, November the 10th, at 12 noon. Any donations to Alzheimer's Society or Dementia UK. Lawson Cyril Bullock passed away peacefully at home after a short illness on the 25th of October, 2020, aged 85 years. Due to current circumstances, a private funeral will be held at St Kenelm's Church, Clifton-on-Teen, followed by burial in the churchyard. Family flowers only.
Donations received in memory of Lawson will be given to St Kenelm's Church. Inquiries to A. H. Caldicott and Sons, Funeral Directors, 15 Market Street, Tenbury Wells, WR 15 8 B. H. Telephone 01584 810281. Frederick Albert Grosvenor passed away peacefully at Henwick Grange Care Home on October the 21st, 2020, aged 91 years. No flowers, please, by request. Donations if desired to Mag's Day Centre, 59-60, to 60, The Tithing, Worcester, WR1, 1TJ. All inquiries may be made through the Co-op Funeral Care, telephone 01905, 22137. Jean Ada Mary Nash passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on October the 19th, aged 79 years. A private family funeral service will be taking place. Family flowers only with donations to St Richard's Hospice, St Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR25BT Margaret Elizabeth Orford passed away peacefully in hospital on October the 20th 2020 aged 77 Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday November the 10th at 1 p.m. Family flowers only please but donations if desired for the Epilepsy Society may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Dr. Alison Tomlinson passed away in the early hours of Monday, October the 19th. A private funeral was held on November the 2nd. Her dying wish was for donations to Cancer Research UK. Edward Carlos of Barbourne, Worcester, passed away on Friday, October the 2nd, 2020, aged 91. Private cremation to take place at Worcester Crematorium, Friday, November the 6th, 2020, at 12.15. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Hanley Road, up to upon 7, WR8 OPA, telephone 01684, Five nine four nine seven one. Colin Walter Gwilliam passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on Friday, October the twenty third, twenty twenty, aged seventy six years. A service will be held at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Monday, November the ninth, at twelve noon. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors. 54 to 56 Barbon Road, Worcester, telephone 01905 616 Elizabeth Morn, consultant haematologist at Worcester Royal and the Alexandra Hospital, Redditch, passed away on Friday the 23rd of October. Donations for... A pipe, no, I'll, I'll start that again, sorry. Elizabeth Morn, who was consultant haematologist at Worcester Royal and the Alexandra Hospital Redditch, passed away on Friday the 23rd of October 2020. 
a private family funeral will be held on the 30th of October. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be sent to their Just Giving page, https colon two forward slashes www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Elizabeth Thicket or sent care of Alexander Byrne Funeral Directors, 23 to 24 High Street, Tewkesbury, GL 25AL. Margaret Edwards, known as Madge, peacefully passed away on October the 25th, 2020. A much-loved mother, grandmother and great-grandmother. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on November the 11th, 2020 at 12.15. Donations to Cancer Research. Thank you. 